Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Red Circle. Also, the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like, subscribe, and turn the notifications on. Also, check out Off the Floor. That's our special subscriber feed. Get texts from the hosts of Five on the Floor directly to your phone. Bypass Twitter, X, or whatever it's called these days. Just go to offwinnow.app. Let backslash off the floor and it's $3.05 per month, but the first week is free. So if you don't like it, you can cancel us. Also check out the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network. That includes our friend Lynette and insurance by Lynette.com. That's two N's and two T's. That's a aggressive insurance. Go to insurance by Lynette.com. You need life insurance, car insurance. If you have a bad driving record, she can definitely help you with that. And any other kind of insurance, renter's insurance, notary, she handles all of it. And she's one of the biggest heat fans that we know she's on all of our platforms all the time. So check her out, Lynette, our good friend, insurancebylynette.com. And now, today's episode. Down the uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Butler said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I got Greg Sylvander. You can follow him at Greg Sylvander. And we've got the coach, you know, is Tony Fiorentino. He's been hosting these camps the entire summer. We'll talk to him about that. But today, specifically, we're going to talk about Dwayne Wade. We are kicking off five days of thank you d wade of course Dwayne is getting inducted into the hall of fame the basketball hall of fame in springfield over the weekend he will be the last speaker that's been announced that is appropriate it's a great class you got Paul gasol you got tony parker you've got others dirk Nowitzki, but Dwayne is the closer we know that especially that should be the case and when you got you got Nowitzki going in we got to remind people of that from 06 that Dwayne was the closer so he's going to be closing on saturday night and we'll have coverage of that for you as well. But again, we're going to cover this the entire week. Today, we are going to focus on the beginning. We're going to focus on the drafting of Dwayne Wade out of Marquette. We've got Tony Fiorentino here to do this all the way through the playoffs and Dwayne's breakout when he actually not only helped win a first-round series, but helped the Heat push Indiana in the second round. Tony, first, thanks for joining us. Sure. How's it going, Ethan? Good. Tell us a little bit before we get to Dwayne. Tell us about what you've been up to this summer. 
Well, we just finished seven weeks of camp. The last two at SLAM. SLAM's a great facility to have a camp. Anybody who's been over there uh, know it's on the seventh floor, the two gyms. And uh, we had uh, Jay Rich was there. And um, Jaime Hakes. I had not learned how to pronounce his name. He's first-round draft pick from UCLA. Ethan's, uh, um, I was going to say your name, but um, Michael Lissack does a great job of getting us. He plays once every week, and they come, they take uh, pictures, they give autographs, they say a few words of wisdom to the kids. So the, the kids get the full package the whole week. No, it's great to hear. And I and obviously uh, both those guys were anxiously awaited. I know Jay Rich, particularly excited to be back uh, after being away. Yes. I was a member of many a Tony Fiorentino Miami Heat camp. I was there and got my picture taken with Kurt Thomas, Keith Askins, <laughs> Khalid Reeves. I was back there. I was at there you go. You What survived. happened to you then? Yeah, you survived, though. <laughs> this is true. He, he he survives. So Tony's been running these camps, obviously, for a long time. Uh, we appreciate you joining us today. We want to start. Uh, from the beginning, um, I'll give you my vantage point of Dwayne being drafted and kind of the lead up to it. I, I want to get your vantage point because the Heat were coming off a 2002, 2003 season that was kind of a rebuild, a little bit frustrating. Karan Butler had been drafted number 10 and he was a breakout rookie. He, he slipped to the Heat. They didn't expect to get him. Um, he had a terrific season for them, but it was clear they needed a lot. You know, they were coming out of kind of the Zoe era. Um, you know, then they had a lot of sort of veteran guys who were there 2001, 2002, then the rebuild with Quran, and then they pick fifth. And I, I remember, um, the last day of the regular season, the previous season, they were in Toronto and I actually wrote a column that heat PR wasn't so happy with, with, cause I wrote that you really want to lose this game. Like, I mean, cause the, the, if you lost the game, you had a better chance of picking fourth and then you had a shot and maybe Chris Bosch who, you know, we talked about uh, LeBron was going to go first. We knew that Darko looked like he might go second. Carmelo ended up going third. And that Bosch was kind of the consensus number four pick. Well, he ended up winning that game in Toronto. They slipped to fifth. And so then there were more questions, Tony, like what were they going to do with that pick? And I, I just remember the mocks. Some had came in there. Some had Heinrich there. Some had others there. DJ Ford. Uh, TJ Ford, too, who ended up going to Milwaukee. Um, Dwayne was mostly mocked number nine uh, to Chicago or somewhere around there. I'll just ask you this. Did you have any inkling before that draft that Dwayne was going to end up being the guy? Well, you know, obviously, I didn't know anything about what was going on behind the scenes. That's Pat Riley's gig. Um, but I remember calling Eric Reed on the morning of the draft. After reading all the articles and going through everything, I said to Eric, I said, Eric, it sounds like the guy we should draft is Dwayne Wade because he seems like the best player at that spot. I know we need a point guard. I know we need a center, but I got a feeling we're going to get Dwayne Wade. I don't know why I, I came up with that. It just sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. And then, as you said, you know, the Heat go for the best player at five. And I tell the story sometimes in camp about how you always play to win. And you just brought it up. In Toronto, the Heat won the game in overtime. Skip the Maloon had a pretty good game that night, as I remember. And the Heat win that game in Toronto, which means they don't get another ball, you know, uh, ping pong, but they don't get uh, ping pong. So they get the fifth pick, as you mentioned. Now, if they had gotten the fourth pick, they probably would have taken the 6'11 guy, Bosch. 
they probably wouldn't have taken Wade. It would have filled a lot of holes for them. And so it's, you always play to win. And I remember um, when, 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 a, when a rookie comes to a team like the Heat, the coaches and everybody are very um, apprehensive. They don't, they don't give a guy a lot of credit very early because he might be doing real well in the, in the workouts, in the, in the practice court before they go to the training camp. But you take that with a grain of salt a little bit because he's got to take it to another level when the, when the practices begin, then another level when the season begins, especially when you're playing against guys like Allen Iverson and those guys. And I remember how much the coaching staff, when I was talking to a few of the guys, how high they, uh, the praise was on this rookie, which was very unusual for them at that point in time to be giving them such kudos. And then we got to see him play. And from day one, you could see his athleticism. You could see how uh, how uh, hard he played. And, and and the other story I, I tell a lot of camp, he wasn't a very good shooter coming out of Marquette. He didn't get the extension on his jump shot. You know, you get the lift from your legs, you get the extension, the follow through. So Coach Bolster went into the um, practice court when he was an assistant at that time, after Dwayne came back from the uh, 04 Olympics in Athens. And they worked the whole month of September working on his jump shot. And um, look, after that, he became a Hall of Fame player. Unbelievable story. Uh, Tony, thank you again for joining the show. I have a question because I know you were around, as I was, um, even before Riley ascended on the organization and such. So I'm interested to pick your brain about this. You have highly touted college players who have came to Miami before. Let's talk Glenn Rice, Steve Smith. And then Dwayne comes. You've seen all those guys come to Miami as rookies. What was the difference in Dwayne? Because th- those guys have all the skills in the world, all the pedigree in the world. But as great a players as they were, as all-stars as they were, maybe even if it wasn't in Miami, there was something different about Dwayne. And I'm just interested because you saw those guys. What was happening in Miami when Dwayne arrived that maybe wasn't happening or just what what went into that that was so much different than some of those highly touted guys that had been drafted previously? Well, it took, to be honest, when Glenn came, that was the second year of the Heat. My job was to work with the perimeter players, so I got to work with Glenn. And by the all-star break, Glenn had one three-point shot that he made. When he retired, he was like fifth or sixth on the list. Now he's way down because of the emphasis today. But it took him a while to get acclimated to the NBA level. Steve Smith did pretty well right from the beginning. But Dwayne Wade busted into the NBA. You knew from the start he was one of the top five rookies in the league, even with that, the first four, you know, with the picks ahead of him. There, he had the it factor. He just had it. He had a flair about him. He not only was uh, productive as a rookie, but he did it with a flair. He did it with an excitement to his game that you just, you know, that first game in Philadelphia when we played Allen Iverson, the first game of his career, um, it was exciting announcing the game because he was doing so many things. He was going to the basket. Again, he wasn't shooting the ball well. That didn't come until a year later. But he was so good at going to the basket. He played with a reckless abandon. Um one of the things they had to work on with him after his first year, not only the extension on the shot, but his balance on the court. Remember, he was he was falling down a lot. He was throwing himself at the opponents and at the rim. And there was a little concern that, and, you know, you got a long career here. Let's make sure you have one. OK, but 
he played with such reckless and he had that that ups. He had the ups. He had, you know, from a standstill position, from a running position. And he, and he was a guy that captured the moment more than any any Heat player. He captured the moment. He he came up big in the biggest moments, time and time and time again, and that just enhanced his uh, aura, the aura about him being a great player. I want to cycle back a little bit because we are going to get to that game against Iverson because I was actually at that game in Philadelphia. So I I want to talk about that. It's kind of come full circle now that Allen's going to be the one presenting him uh, but I want to go back to draft night itself because I, I was in the arena that night and that was the time where like the foreign invasion was really starting to happen right so Darko you know went second there's all kinds of stories about why that happened but I remember um the reaction in the in the in the arena bowl that night and I wrote a column about it one of the few columns I actually kept where why I liked the pick but the other, the other was so I think Tony, you and I were on the same page with that. But but the other part of it was that the fans reacted well to it because they'd seen him. And and this was the time where they were starting to get the foreign players that the fans hadn't really seen, but they just saw him do what he did against Kentucky, just like Pat saw it while he was on the treadmill. And so there was this reaction in the arena that was very positive. For a guy who wasn't necessarily projected to go that high, typically if a player is drafted higher than most of the mocks, the fans will be like, "Wait, what? what wait, why are we reaching?" There wasn't that feeling that there was a reach, and and so that was the first part of it. The second part of it was the column I wrote the day that Dwayne arrived, and I, he just seemed more mature than your average rookie. Um, I, I mean, it was a lot of talk about his shoe collection and other things along those lines. But at that point, he'd already had his first child, Z- Zaire, uh, was there with him. And, and I just I just remember there being sort of a calm and a poise and a shyness to him, actually, at the beginning, which I, I actually thought persisted for a while. I, I did a, a piece with him uh, and other stars under 25 years old, and he came to the stadium after his first season to do a photo shoot with Josh Beckett, who, by the way, overslept, never apologized Dwayne sat there the entire time with us, went and visited Juan Pierre in the uh, in the batting cage, was completely polite, uh, drove himself there in his Cadillac uh, 300, I remember. But there was just like a, a niceness about him, but a poise about him, but a shyness that has since completely gone away. That, not the niceness, but the shyness. But I'm just curious, your early perceptions of him as a person, beyond a player uh, before we get up to Philadelphia and that, that opening game. Well, he was, Oh, you know, we got to interview him on media day and he was very, like you said, he was very polite. He was happy that he was the fifth pick. We didn't know at that point that he had a relatively tough background with his mom and th- different things that went on. Um, and, but, and again, he was married with a kid coming out of college at 21 years old. So there was a maturity to him. But there was a sense the way he carried himself, he, even though you may have gotten that, that 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 idea that he was shy, there was a confidence that, that he carried himself with, especially when he got on the basketball court. When he was on the court, he wasn't shy. When he got on the court, he let his talent speak for itself. And I tell people all the time at camp with the kids, because I use the heat culture all the time, um, just so we go forward just a little bit. Uh, well, a lot. But my last game. Uh, well, let me go back a little bit. When, when we were we were leaving Washington one night after playing the Wizards, and we're walking out the back of the arena to where the buses are, and I happen to be I happen to be walking out with Dwayne, 
And there was about 15 people standing behind a uh, security rope. And they were yelling, Dwayne, Dwayne. They wanted a selfie. They wanted an autograph. Dwayne saw this maybe nine, 10 year old kid standing. He was kind of small. And the kid looked like he wanted to cry. So Dwayne walked over. He knelt down and he said, Hi, I'm Dwayne Wade. What is your name? And the kid was a little shy at first. And then the kid had a smile from ear to ear. Right? To me, that's Dwayne Wade. He, he wasn't full of himself from day one, and he still isn't. He's still that guy. He comes back to the arena. You say hello. He's still the same guy. So the guy you saw that we all saw as a rookie, he hasn't let all this fame and everything go to his head, in my opinion. And he's still the same guy, even though now he could probably walk down the streets of most European countries and they'll know who he is. You know, especially if he's with that Gabriel, you know, they're like they're like the world couple right now. And he's got he's he's get everything he's getting now he's gained he's he's earned so you root for a guy like that yeah and uh, most of Asia as well and Africa and all the other countries that he's visiting <laughs> yeah, all right, right when, exactly. we come, when we come back from the break I, I want to start uh, in Philadelphia and and kind of lead up through that season which of course started zero and seven. So it didn't start all that promising. I remember uh, them being called the worst team in NBA history after the first two weeks of, of the NBA season. We do want to mention a couple of our great sponsors, though. If you want to bet legally, you got to go to Better Edge. It's betteredge.com. Use the code 5RSN. You get $20 to play. You're not betting against the bookie. You are betting against others who use it. And that's why you can find the line you want. And that's why it's legal. Go to betteredge.com. Use the code 5RSN. We also want to mention our great friend, Mark Brown. You can find him at markbrownpa.com, based in North Lauderdale over on Cypress Creek. And Andrews, Mark is the guy to go to if you need an estate plan. And if you have a family, you need an estate plan. Make sure that your family is taken care of, that your assets go to the right place. Also, he's got a real estate uh, he's a real, real estate attorney. He's got a title company right there in house. He can help you with your closing as he did with me. So go to markbrownpa.com. That's with the C M A R C brownpa.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game. I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash, Miami Heat. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, you are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
All right, so let's go to Philadelphia. I remember being there. I remember Stan pulling his hair out after the game. Um, you mentioned some of the things we saw from Dwayne that night, but the reality is the first season didn't start that well, and then there were injuries. Dwayne got hurt uh, at a certain part of the year, and they really struggled. They were kind of trying to come together with a young group. There's a lot of people, Tony, that remember the 3 4 team as their favorite team. Um and the way that that team came together with, you know, Eddie Jones still there with Brian Grant, but then also Udonis and Dwayne as rookies, Karan in his second season, uh, Ray for Alston, as you mentioned, uh, Malik Allen was on that team. Uh, they they kind of strung together a seven or eight man rotation that ultimately worked, but there were, there were ups and downs during the season, particularly as Dwayne was kind of learning to play the point guard position, which was not his natural position. Can you go through that year a little bit prior to the heat kind of making that run to 42 and 40 and getting to a seed, uh, I believe it was a five seed actually that they got to four or five seed uh, where they ended up, uh, you know, playing uh, New Orleans four seed. They ended up playing New Orleans. It was in the first four, round. Seed. four seed. Yeah. They, in fact, they wound up um, they one of the few teams in NBA history, the league 77 years old. And the heat was, is one of the few teams There may be one or two other teams that did this. The heat had below 500, a below 500 record in March and had home court advantage in the playoffs with the fourth seed. Very few teams have done that in NBA history. But you're right. They started out 0-7. There was something like 7-15. and 15. And one of, a couple of things that I remember, give Stan Van Gundy a lot of credit. Here he is, first-year coach. He's got a young team. He did not cut corners. He didn't try to get wins without uh, and, and deviate from the development program that he had. He stuck with the program. I give him a lot of credit for that. And he stuck with the rookie. Dwayne Wade, as you mentioned, was uh, cast in the wrong role at that point because it was necessary. He was a point guard. We know he played two most of his rest of his career, one of the best two guards to ever play the game. But it, that, that was all a learning curve for them. And it took a while for them to come together. Um, Iverson uh, in that game uh, played a good game. Dwayne uh, scored about 18 points. And he had a good first game. And as the year progressed, the bright, I think one of the reasons why people liked that team is because there were young guys that shined, especially Dwayne. Dwayne showed that he was one of the top five rookies in the league because some people may have thought he went a little too high when he went at five, as you mentioned earlier. And so they came together. They started to understand their roles. And then uh, at the end of the season, they wound up playing New Orleans, who was in the Eastern Conference at the time. And the first game, it's a tie game. He takes the ball out, and Eric Reed says to me on the air, what do you think? And I said, well, they'll probably go to this guy, this, that guy, this guy. And all of a sudden, Dwayne Wade has the ball. And he's dribbling, he's dribbling, he's dribbling, and he, he, he dukes his guy. He takes a little jumper from the foul line, a little over a second left, and makes the jumper. And I had one, the only call maybe I had in 15 years after Eric made the call, you know, Stan Van Gundy went to the rookie, and he delivered. And so it was just a, it was a magic moment and it was an omen for what was to come. Such an epic moment. And then for him to cap off that run with that dunk, I feel like the two moments we remember is that call, that play where he took Baron Davis into the lane. And then in the next round, when they pushed Indiana, which I don't think most people thought that they could, I mean, weren't they 42 and 40 at the yes. four seed? Like yeah. I just, the more I think about that as we're talking, that's unreal. Um, But back, back to um, 
where I was heading is that that dunk on Jermaine O'Neal, I felt like was a big exclamation point in introducing Dwayne Wade on highlight reels. Um, and so I guess I would say this in terms of the most exciting plays that rookie year, is there one, because you got to watch every single one of those games up close. So maybe something that a fan in that rookie year may not remember because we're just thinking of the biggest highlights. Is there one that jumps out for you personally uh, that first year that you watched Dwayne that maybe doesn't get enough love today? Well, the one I, we mentioned about making that jumper, uh, you know, the, the game-winning basket in the first game, and the Heat went on and won the series in seven games. And then the dunk you're talking about over Jermaine uh, uh, O'Neal. I mean, a rookie, it's, it, it, it's what I was saying earlier. You know, he had the confidence when he was playing, and he wasn't just, you know, getting his feel for the league. Hey, look, guys, I'm here, Okay. And it probably started, the confidence probably started when he got that triple-double against Kentucky and and, mm-hmm. and and Marquette rode his, you know, back to the uh, finals, the the uh, final four. And so I think that carried over into his NBA career. And you could see as the season went on, you could see the, his stature on the team started to grow. They, you know, there were, there were some guys there that had been in the league a little bit, you know, Lamar Odom and guys like that. And they saw this rookie just come alive and, 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 you know, take over games and played with such reckless abandon, but he was successful. He was effective and do it with flair. So I, I think those two, the two that we mentioned is what stands out to me. Yeah. And I should have mentioned Lamar earlier because uh, he was a huge factor for that team that season. And honestly, a, a lot of things don't happen for the heat without Lamar, without the offer sheet that's made to Elton Brand, the match, and then uh, the offer sheet to Lamar, uh, Lamar taking it. And of course, Lamar was the piece that ended up getting traded for Shaq. I want to go, you know, the crazy thing about that New Orleans series is everybody remembers, obviously, and, and of course, I remember your call. And then, you know, I, I have a photo here at my place where, you know, I'm sitting there watching the ball go through the basket from the baseline. So uh, that's when we used to get the good seats at the game. So I, I certainly <laughs> remember that game. Uh, but I also remember I, one game I missed in that series was I was actually uh, up at a reunion uh, at my college in Baltimore watching on TV as Dwayne made a big three in that series at the end. Also in the corner. So it, what, in the corner. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't just that one game. It was, he was emerging as this, this kind of clutch player, which is why some people are frustrated when he wasn't on the court at the end of the Indiana series, but we won't focus on that too much. I, I just think when you look at that Pacer series, that was a really good team. I mean, that was the team um, that ended up, uh, you know, getting broken up mostly because of the malice in the palace and all that, but it had our test. It had O'Neal. It had Reggie, even though he was late stage Reggie. Uh, that was, that was a really good team. And, and it, Dwayne did sort of announce himself in that series. So I, I want to just go real quick. To, to the next part of it, because the most important thing about that season, as it turned out, was that not only did guys like Lamar Odom notice, but Shaq noticed, like like Shaq noticed, and and that was why Shaq wanted to come to Miami. Like he's like, okay, I'll go to Miami when when he's he became available, but you're not trading Dwayne for me. Uh, I want to play with Dwayne, and and I feel like as you look at significant moments in NBA history, the fact that that team made that run precipitated Shaq's arrival, which ultimately helped lead to a championship, even if not the first season, although I still think that team was actually in some ways was playing better than the team in 05, 06, but it ultimately led to a title. So 
I think that's why people look back at that season, Tony, and they're like, okay, that, that mattered. Like that, that was a pivot point for this franchise. Well, there's no doubt. It's like today, there's players that want to play with certain players. I think that was, you're right about that. Shaq noticed Wade, even gave him the nickname Flash. Um, and, and, and I was reading an article today by Ira that Gary Payton noticed. And Gary Payton mentioned to Shaq when they came aboard, um, in, in, uh, when he came aboard in 06, Gary Payton, that we got to help this young fella out because he's going to, he looks like he's something special. In not so many words that we're talking about it. And, I, and, and Shaq did come here. That team was very exciting. They were very young. They, 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 they captured the imagination, not only of Miami fans, but of other players in the league and, and the league itself. And they were a jump shot away from forcing that game, in, that series, into the seventh game in Indiana. The Heat, you know, the Heat lost the two in Indiana, came home and won the two in Miami, lost game five in Indiana, and then they were a jump shot. I think it was Skip the Malou who took the three mm -hmm. that missed the three. It was all, it didn't have a chance, but that's how close they were to sending that series back to the seventh game in Indiana. So it was exciting. All right. So I want to close here, and we always appreciate Tony's time. Uh, and I know the fans appreciate him coming on. Is there one other memory that comes out? You're going to be watching this. I know you're going to be there on Saturday. Um, is there one other memory that kind of comes to mind as this thing comes full circle? Uh, for Dwayne, for a lot of people in the organization. I mean, they've, they've had Hall of Famers. Uh, I mean, obviously, Zoe's a Hall of Famer, but, I mean, this is a Hall of Famer they drafted. Like, this is, I mean, and not not to say, in some ways, maybe better, but uh, not to say better than anybody else, but this is their guy. Like, this is, I mean, what, what does this mean to you personally, having been there for so much of his career? Well, obviously, it was very exciting. I got to announce maybe a 1,000 of his games over the years. Um, just uh, something new every night. Uh, who would have thought the, these um, people that have grew up here, who would have ever thought that somebody in basketball would raise to, to the level of the, the excitement and to the level of, uh, of adoration that he got to the level of a Dan Marino, a football player, football's king there. And here you, here you got a guy that's grabbing the, uh, the imagination of, of all sports fans. Two things I remember. One was one of my favorite plays, shots that Dwayne Wade made. I'm from New York. And I we know how, um, what's the polite way to put it? How New York fans think everything evolves around them in, in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> and I the just, Mecca. just, yeah, the Mecca. I just loved it when he made that jump shot at the buzzer. And I said something on the air. I was polite about it. I said, how do you quiet 20,000 New York fans, bad sports fans? Have Dwayne Wade shoot the ball at the buzzer, and he <laughs> ran down the other end, and he's going like this to the to the to the celebrity sitting down here. The guy from The Sopranos was there, and there was a couple of other guys sitting there. And um, the other thing was um, when when my last game uh, uh, announcing in the arena, the last regular season game, I I went to my car after the game, and I parked where the players park, P1, and there was a package there, a little bag. So I took it home and opened it. I thought it was from a friend. Dwayne Wade left me a autographed jersey and said, your voice will always be in my head. And he signed it. And then he gave me a card with a gift certificate in it to a local uh, um, uh, hotel. And he said he put another sentiment in it. And Gabrielle wrote a sentiment. I mean, how does it get better than that? Wow. I mean, and I'm wearing 
you know, I put this ring on for you guys, the championship ring from 06. There's no way we'd have this ring today if Dwayne Wade wasn't the great player that he is. But he also is the great person that everybody thinks he is. Not all professionals are like that. And you, I mean, Ethan knows he's been around him a lot. He's just he's just outstanding and everything. And I, I, I love the guy. Tony, can you flash that ring up at the camera one more time? Yeah, that's right. Check that out, man. It's a, beautiful. It takes up yeah, the that onyx in the background. You know, pretty <laughs> take, cool, man. Eight, we waited 18 years for that. And uh, 06 was just special. He's throwing the ball up. That's the other moment. You know, in, in, in Dallas, we were all there. He throws the ball up. And, um, you know, he, he averaged like 39 points a game after we got blown out in the first two. And uh, one of the greatest performances in the history of the NBA Finals. How can you not love the guy? <laughs> 34.7 for the entire finals. And you're right. One of the great performances ever. Um, I, I remember the, the night he came and Pat Riley introduced him. I called it uh, the innocent beginning. Uh, and that in, in a lot of ways it, it was, and there was a lot of stuff that he went through over the course of his career. The late years were, were not easy. The big three years for him were not easy. Um, he went through a lot of struggle. He did commercials about how many times he fell down and got up, uh, but the, that first year, we knew we had something, I, I think, in this market. We knew we had something, but I don't know that we knew we had a Hall of Famer. Uh, and so uh, that's going to make this weekend pretty cool. Tony, always pretty cool for you to come on. Uh, Greg, we appreciate you joining as well. We'll have more episodes as the week comes on. Uh, we got Norris Cole coming on later in the week to talk about the big three years. Uh, our guy George Sedano is going to jump on here with us to talk about uh, the 04 through 06. Got a special guest uh, for the end years, uh, the last dance years, too. Uh, I think I finalized that one today. But, T, we always appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. You got it, guys. It, always a pleasure. And uh, keep keep up the good work. Thanks, Tommy. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.